Well, good morning, church. My name is Tim Power. I'm one of the pastors here at Salem, and uh, it is my great joy to be able to spend a little time in God's Word with you guys this morning. How's your day going? Good? Here's how my day is going. I've got red pen on my pants. This is going to shock you, but I did not plan on getting red pen on my pants when I woke up this morning. Um, But you know what? It keeps me humble. I bet most of you guys think... Tim always looks immaculate, never anything out of place, and and today I become human to you. So anyway, welcome. I want to thank you guys for being here and and seeking God's face with us. We are in a new sermon series. We started just last week. It's called Dwell. Here's the big idea of this sermon series. The Bible. This book right here, the Bible... What we call our holy scriptures, we believe that it's not just a book of self-help or self-improvement. Not that there's anything wrong with those kinds of books. I think they could be really helpful, but that's not what the Bible is. The Bible also isn't like Pastor Terry said last week. It's not just a magic eight ball. It's not just a fortune cookie. It's also not just a spiritual fire extinguisher where you break in case of emergency. Although sometimes we all want to try to use it like that. See, we believe that the Bible is something we're supposed to dwell in. Psalm 1 says that we're actually supposed to chew on God's word all the time. Constantly letting it change us, shape us, shape how we think and how we act. This is so important if we're saying we're followers of Jesus to spend time in the word that tells us about who Jesus is. Little story... um, my father-in-law, who's a pastor and was a missionary for years, uh, he used to do this thing where uh, he would pick up a Bible, and I remember the, the most shocking time he did this, he picked up my Bible during one of his sermons, and he threw it across the room. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included, I grew up thinking, this is a holy thing, this is, this is a sacred book, Right? Um, in fact, I thought that was so true that when I would get scared at night, sometimes I'd keep a Bible on me because I thought no harm could come to me. No demon could attack me because I've got a Bible on me. In fact, if a robber broke into my house and was going to attack me and he saw the Bible, well, he couldn't get to me because I've got this book, this sacred book. And when he picked up my Bible and threw it across the room, it shocked me. It really, really shocked me. And he said, see, the book itself isn't what's special. It's not the paper. It's not the binding and all of that. And I thought, well, why didn't you use your own Bible then? But it's not the book itself. It's what happens when the words in this book come into contact with our hearts that makes it a living word and makes us a group of people that acts differently in the world because of what we encounter in the living word of God. With that in mind... If we think about where we dwell, where we make our home, I like to make my home a place where I can rest, right? It's a place of rest. It's a place that I can find rest. Well, that's going to get us into our first scripture, which is our main scripture today, which comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. This is talking about the rest we find in God's word. Therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience because God's word is, listen to this, 
real close because God's word is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates the point that separates the soul from the spirit, the joints from the marrow. It's able to judge the hearts and th- uh, to judge the hearts, thoughts, and intentions. No creature is hidden from it, but rather everything is naked and exposed in the eyes of the one to whom we have to give an answer. Now, in the context of what we're reading here in Hebrews chapter 4, throughout the chapter, it's talking about how people hear the word, but sometimes they don't obey the word, or they don't let it touch them from the inside out. Therefore, they never find their rest in the word because it's just words on paper. It's just words on paper, therefore it never is activated in them, and therefore they're never the people that take it out into the world and make something out of it. Who here remembers the movie City Slickers? That's because you're old. So am I. So I remember there's this, this part of City Slickers uh, where the, the character, Jack Palance's character, Curly, he, he tells Billy Crystal's character, he, he's standing very majestically at like the edge of this canyon. He said, you know, there's one thing. One thing. And Billy Crystal goes, what, your finger? He goes, no. There's one thing that really matters in life, and you're going to have to figure out what that is. And, and I believe that that is true. There is one thing that really counts, one thing that really matters. And I think that we get some inkling of what the one thing for us as followers of Jesus is in a story out of Luke chapter 10. And in this story, we're going to encounter a couple of characters. I'll give you some background. These are friends of Jesus, uh, two women named uh, Mary and Martha, and they are, um, they are the sisters of one of Jesus' good friends, Lazarus. In a different story, Lazarus is raised from the dead. Uh, that's not the story we're going to read. We're going to read about this encounter they had when they were together. I'm going to start in verse 39 of Luke 10. She had a sister named Mary. So, so it's talking about Martha. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet... So she's sitting at Jesus' feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. Now we're going to hear about that one thing again. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. Are there any other Marthas in this room? You could define yourself as Martha in a couple different ways. One of the ways being that, that, that you're always trying to get stuff done. Or here's another thing. Are you worried and distracted by many things? Now, I'm not the kind of guy who's always trying to get a lot done. And my wife's here today, so she'll keep me honest and say that. But I am the kind of guy who's worried and distracted by many things. And Mary has chosen the better part. What is Mary doing in this story? She's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to the word. Say, listening. Say that a little louder. Listening. See, what she's doing is that one thing that is necessary, which is dwelling in God's Word, making her home in God's Word, because that's where we find our life. That's where we find uh, 
that our life is shaped and transformed into the likeness of who God is calling us to be. And why is that important? Why is that important for us? Well, it's because, and you might, this really might hurt somebody's feelings here. You don't have what it takes. Somebody here just got real, whoa, what, me? You don't have what it takes. You don't have all the wisdom that it takes to make it through this life. Parents, you don't have all the wisdom that it takes to raise your kids. Married folks, you do not have all the wisdom that it takes to make a marriage that thrives. And in every area, no matter what, no matter how driven or talented you are, you lack the wisdom that you need to get through it. Am I the only person here who has trouble asking for help? Apparently. So, um... Not too long ago, my wife and I got back from the grocery store, and I don't know if any, anybody else is like this. Uh, I always try to get all 15 bags in one fell swoop, and my wife, she said, I, no, if you wait a second, I'm going to get my purse inside. I'll come help. I'll, let me help. And I said the famous words that a lot of guys say before they really mess something else, I've got this. I've got this. I don't need any help. And I did have it for about 15 steps. And then I, I got up to the stairs and we have a couple of steps uh, that lead into our house. And then I grabbed the storm door, but I really didn't have enough room to grab it. And so I lost balance and I slipped backwards and I sent all the bags flying it ripped open a bag of oranges, which quickly covered all of our, all of our driveway. Uh, it knocked open a gallon of milk, and it broke at least a couple of cans of soda. And I looked over at all the chaos, and I said, Honey, I need some help. So we, we all need help, but we, we don't like to admit our weakness, Right? No matter how smart you are, no matter how driven or talented you are, if we approach this life without the wisdom that we encounter God's, in God's word, we will fail. Do you know what a sequoia tree looks like? They're huge trees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show a picture. This is a guy at the bottom of a sequoia tree uh, in Yosemite National Park. They're huge trees. Well, a couple of years ago, ABC News ran this story about these two giant sequoia trees that were in uh, Yosemite that fell over. They fell over. And um, it probably makes you wonder, well, how could a tree like that, this massive tree that's been there forever, what would make it fall down? Would it be a storm, some lightning, some wind, a fire? Well, they spent time studying these trees, and, and they were looking for the cause, and it wasn't a storm, it wasn't a fire, it wasn't wind, or anything like that. You know what it was? It was foot traffic. Foot traffic. These giant trees with these massive root systems were knocked down eventually by day after day, thousands of people just walking over their roots. Walking over their roots. And so what was the solution they came up with to protect these trees? They just put fences up. They created some barriers, some boundaries around the trees so that people wouldn't be walking on or messing day after day by walking on the root systems. And, and here's what that, that tells me. 
That tells me that, that in our lives, even something as simple as the day-to-day foot traffic of the world around us can mess us up. And if we don't be really, really intentional about putting in some kind of sacred boundaries around our root systems, then any one of us could fall. Setting up a sacred boundary around our root system. And if that's true, what I said earlier, that we don't have what it takes. If we need wisdom to get through this life, how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? There's a couple ways, and I want to share just a couple with you right now. Some sources of wisdom that we can find. The first source of wisdom is this, and it's pretty simple. Personal experience. Another word for this is consequences. Consequences. If I run into a wall and I break my nose, what have I learned? I've learned that walls are hard and noses are soft. What's the lesson? Stop running into walls that don't move, right? Now, that is a little nugget of wisdom, just one little nugget of wisdom that I have now deposited into my account. Now, I am proof that this is an effective way of learning. I learn through consequences every single day. But there's countless lessons I need to learn. There's countless nuggets of wisdom I need. Do you know how how many bones there are in the human body? I think it's 206, right? That's what Google, Google never gets anything wrong. So Google tells me there's 206 bones. Now, if every lesson costs me a bone, I do not have enough bones in my body to get all the wisdom that I need, right? So that leads us to our second source of wisdom, and this is by far the best source of wisdom that we can find in life, and that is other person's experience other person's experience. See, here's what's powerful about the scripture is that it's filled not just with one person's experience, but many, many people's experience over thousands of years. I'm a big believer in the idea idea of mentors and mentoring. So I've got mentors in my life. Men, uh, it tends to be guys who are older that speak into my life. And, and kind of lead and guide me. And I try my best to do that with younger people as well, is have mentees, mentors and mentees. But here's the thing. If we can get into God's word, something amazing happens, which is that instead of just getting somebody else's ideas, which are amazing and helpful, we're getting the wisdom of the ages. We're getting what I like to call a divine mentor a divine mentor when we get in to the words of God in the scripture. For instance, God may teach you life leadership lessons through the life of David. God may teach you bravery through the story of Rahab. Maybe God wants to teach you how to get your foot out of your mouth and stop talking so much by the life of Peter. I have a question for you. Who here believes that God knows what's going to happen in your life next week? couple of you? Next month? Next year? Well, if God knows what's going to happen in your life next week, then when you study the Word, I believe this. I believe that He knows the wisdom that you're going to need down the road before you know what you need. Last week, Terry joked about how some people, when they are approaching the Scriptures, 
because they need something right now, what they'll do is just open it and just say, God, I need you to talk to me and just point it to scripture. Now, I don't really believe that's how God works, but what I do think is that God will, if you are faithful in dwelling in the scriptures on a regular basis, that God knows what's coming down the line and he's preparing wisdom for you for next week. God knows the confrontation that you're going to have with your kid a month from now. And he's preparing you. So when you are opening up the scripture, I call it a Holy Spirit highlighter, might come out and, oh, I needed that. If you're a business person, God knows the struggle that's going to be happening in your organization two months from now. You don't know it, so you don't even know to search the scriptures for it. But if you're faithful daily dwelling in the word of God. God has that wisdom set aside for you now because God knows what's coming and he wants to prepare you. You see, dwelling in God's word isn't just about reading words on paper. It's about what happens when the words on paper come in contact with you. When you hear the word of God and you allow it to transform you and change you and that you become a transformer of the world. There's a very famous scripture from Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And sometimes this is called the Shema. I'm going to read this. This uh, comes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It says, Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, only the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. That sounds a little bit like the words of Jesus we read just a couple weeks ago. He was quoting this passage. These words that I am commanding you today must always be on your mind. It sounds a lot like dwelling in the Word. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are sitting around your house and when you are out and about, when you are lying down and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hand as a sign. They should be on your forehead as a symbol. Write them on your house's door frames and on your city's gates. Now, as I said earlier, this is called a Shema because it begins with this word, here, here. And here's what this word Shema actually means in Hebrew. It means to hear, but not just to hear, has, has a second meaning. It means to hear with the intention of doing. To hear with the intention of doing. That's how we dwell in God's Word. That's how we let God's Word change us from the inside out. It's not just words on paper. This book itself, I'm not going to throw it across the room because this cost me a little bit of money, but it's not just the words itself. It's not just the paper itself. It's when it comes into contact with you and with what God is doing and the Holy Spirit is highlighting things and giving you wisdom for what you don't even know what is coming up in your own life. Now, I wanted to make this week just really, really practical. So some weeks when we talk in here, we're, we're getting very philosophical, we're getting very metaphysical or theological. I just want to talk very practically for a couple of minutes about what it looks like if you want to spend time in Scripture. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make a daily habit of spending some time in God's Word, a little bit of time in God's Word every day. And what I'm going to do as I wrap up today, as I wrap up our time in, in studying God's Word I want to give you some practical everyday tips for how you can get into the Bible and get something out of it. Get into the Bible and get something out of it when you read. So I'm going to give you, uh, and these will be on the screen, you can take a screenshot if you'd like, um, some tools for scripture study. 
okay? A couple of tools for scripture study. The first one, this is going to shock you. It's a Bible. Now, okay, you can get a Bible on your phone. There's a great Bible app called the YouVersion app. In fact, if you even download our uh, church app, it, it has a direct link to the YouVersion app, which is cool. I really like using an actual Bible, for one, because I can write in it. Yes, it's not sacrilegious to write in your Bible. It's the words in the Bible coming into contact with what God is doing on the inside of you that is powerful, that is alive. So feel free, write in your Bible. Here's the other thing, is that when you do this scripture reading or study anywhere out, outside of your house, if it's inside your house and your family sees you read the Bible... Um, that's a powerful thing for them to see. That, that's a testimony for the people around you to see that this is something you prioritize and you care about. If they see you on your phone, you could be on Facebook, you could be doing anything else. So seeing you in the Scripture is a powerful testimony. Okay, the other thing, and this is what really messed me up today, a pen. Don't get a red pen that leaks. But get a pen. And here's another thing. Get a journal of some kind. Now, it doesn't have to be like this. I have this life journal that, that you can get on um, Amazon for just a couple of dollars. Um, what I like about this is it has the third part as part of this, the beginning of this, which is a Bible reading plan. You can find a Bible reading plan anywhere on the Internet. We have Bible reading plans linked through the Salem app. So if you go to uh, the, the App Store on Android or uh, iPhone, and you get our Salem app, there's reading programs in that app that you can follow. But spending some time um, with a pen and with a journal is powerful. I'll show you what I do in the journal here in a second. I use, um, a couple years ago, I, I went to a conference and saw this pastor, Wayne Cadero. Um, this life journal actually comes from his church in Hawaii. Um, I'm really hoping that Terry will send me to Hawaii so I can visit his church, you know, just for your guys' sake, um, so I can learn. Um, but, but Wayne Kadera, this pastor in Hawaii, he, he teaches this great way of studying the Scripture on a daily basis, and it's called SOAP. It's an acronym. And here's what the acronym is. SOAP, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And I've done that in this journal. And let me go through that real quick. Because if you're going through a Bible reading plan, what you do is you first you just read the Scripture, and that just takes a couple of minutes. It could be a chapter. It could be a few chapters a day. In fact, if you just read a couple of chapters a day, you can get through the entire Bible in a year, which is an awesome thing to be able to do every year, is to spend just a couple of minutes every day, and you can get through the Bible once in a year. And if you do that, what I like, I talked about the Holy Spirit highlighter a couple of minutes ago. Um, and, and Pastor Terry talked about this last week. There's, there's this, this form of scripture study. Uh, it's a spiritual practice called Lectio Divina. And this is very similar to that. What you're going to do is you're going to read a scripture and just see what God is pointing out to you. There's may, maybe something that just stands out to you. Maybe it's because you're going through something in your life that this scripture just has something that stands out to you. And you're going to write down that scripture that's the scripture part. Can we put that up? So let's just keep that up for a couple of minutes. You'll write down the scripture in your journal. So the scripture will come first. Then you'll write down an observation. And this is just two sentences, two sentences of something that's, that just stands out. Why does God seem to be highlighting this to you? Write down just two sentences about that. And then application. 
how can you apply this to your life to maybe do something differently tomorrow than what you did today? So scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Can you turn that verse or that application into a prayer for your day? Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's a really, really simple thing. And in fact, so every Wednesday, um, I do this thing where I get on Facebook Live. I'm going to be starting to do this way of reading through the Bible on Wednesday afternoons. All right, or Wednesday mornings at 9.30. If you want to follow along, you can do that. And then I'm going to just share a scripture, an observation, an application, and a prayer. It's a powerful way for you to get into God's word and actually get something out of it every single day. And I'll tell you what, after spending a little bit of time doing this, it's fun to go back and look at your prayers that you prayed a year ago. A lot of the time I've found that when I look at the prayer that I prayed a year ago, it's either something God has answered in my life or it's something, some way that God has grown me over the past year. That's the powerful thing is that when we do this stuff, it, it doesn't come back void. God is faithful that when we dwell in his word, he changes us and he transforms us. And that's not just transformation for our good. It's good for our families. It's for the good of the world around us. See, when we become more like Jesus, that changes every sphere of influence that we have. That transforms the world because we've been transformed by a God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. I'm going to invite our band back up to the stage. Uh, and and, and as, as we, we kind of close up our time together, I want to challenge you. There's just a couple of things that you need. A script, a Bible, a pen, a journal. It could be a piece of paper. Get a couple of things together and then just a Bible reading plan that you could go through. It'll transform your life. And I I do think there can be transformative things that happen when we come into worship. But the real transformation, the real change that you're going to see in your life is not going to be from a sermon I preach or from a song we play. The real transformation is going to come when you get one-on-one with God and you allow the Word of God to change you and to shape you from the inside out. Now, maybe somebody here, uh, you say, this sounds interesting, but maybe this whole idea of, of a God that you have a personal relationship with is, is foreign to you or it's new to you. It's, it's like something you've never heard of or seen before. Um, let me just say this. What we believe is, is actually very simple about Jesus. We believe that we serve a Savior who loved us so much that he became a human being, that he gave up his life so that we could live forever in love and communion with God. We call that the good news, that no matter what we've done, how we've fallen short, that God loves us and God wants to know us.